Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post, Sunday, April 17th, Easter Sunday. Thanks to Archer Park Racing, of course, presenting Pass the Post. And they were in the winner's list with Sizzling Gal at the Gold Coast yesterday. She looks like a very promising filly. And good luck to the team with maximum output racing at the Sunshine Coast today. We've got a bit to unpack this morning. The interstate invasion started in Brisbane yesterday at Eagle Farm for the, the forthcoming Tab Queensland Racing Carnival. Started in a small way, but clearly at a winning one. We'll discuss Eagle Farm in the second half of the program. Of course, the curtain came down on the Sydney Autumn Carnival with two Group 1s. They'll be first up in just a moment with some special guests. Ayrton staked his claim for our carnival, winning first up in the Victoria Handicap. And, of course, it was the first Oakbank Easter Carnival without jumps racing. So a lot happening around Australia and the racing world yesterday. The man who knows everything about it all is Ben Dorries. Good morning. What an introduction, David Fowler. That's just fabulous. And first things first, happy Easter to everyone yes. out there. I, um, we had a bit of fun at my place this morning. The, uh, the kids got up early and there was lots of Easter eggs in the place and the Easter bunny had been, so that was terrific. Now, listen, I've got a very, very quick punting story for you to start the show with. Tell me. My father-in-law and mother-in-law are in town. My father-in-law loves uh, going to the races or loves the races. Doesn't actually get to the races very often. He's a small-time punter, you know, $5 each way, $10 punter. Uh, so took him to Eagle Farm yesterday. Never been to Eagle Farm before. We sat down, got there very early. Um, we were fresh up, both of us. We were champion at the bit. He's put a $12 box trifecta on the first race in Sydney. Mm. Uh, 40 to 1 winner. Yes, tick. Second place, tick. Third place, tick. So for his $12 box trifecta for a half, it's paid $4,534 in the Victorian... It comes from Victoria, so he took it on the Victorian TAB. The only sad bit of this story is if he had have actually put the $12 in the local tote, the Queensland tote, it paid 9640 here. But he was happy with that. And this is, mind you, after... I took him to poker. I'm a poker game the other night. And he collected 300 there as well. So he's just flying. What amazes me, you're telling me about winning stories connected with you. It's always losing stories. <laughs> but we're on a unity ticket. If both of us can back Enterprise Prince and he can win a race, there's hope for all of you out there in, in Putters Land because he never wins. He only got it half. He dead heated, but at least he got there in, in half the way. But we'll talk about that a little later. Let's uh, start the action because we do have plenty to get through and we'll go to Royal Randwick, the last day of the, the carnival. Track was a heavy eight. Many thought it might improve, but that wasn't the case. It was a genuine heavy track and two group ones. Let's go to the all-aged. It was a fairly open betting market. Forbidden Love in the Congo with a top pair in the betting. Into the straight now and Forbidden Love in the centre. Tofano the outside in the Congo trying to fight back. Ellsberg still with cover about to come off heels. Overpass is starting to try and slice through. Cascadian needs a run desperately as Tofano chasing her second success in the race gets two lengths clear. Cascadian those coming to rain on the party. It's Tofano in front. Cascadian with the big white face right over the top. Cascadian wins the all eight stakes. Run down Tofano with Ellsberg third. A gap back to Lord of indices, Enzu Tori, further back to Mawunga, Hungry Heart with late headway, further back to Overpass from Almedo in the Congo, Forbidden Love, they both got very tired, no pick-up from Mawunga, further back to Colding, shout the bar and Sierra Sue. Of course, he's a Doncaster winner, Cascadian, and another group one on the board there yesterday with Jay Mack riding for James Cummings and Godolphin, Vin Cox represents Godolphin, he's our first guest, the first of many this morning on Pass the Post. Always appreciate his time. Morning, Vin. Yeah, good morning, David. How are you? I'm well. Congratulations on Cascadian. A horse who always performs well, doesn't always win, but always performs well at that, that top level, and he was right to the fore yesterday. Oh, yes. No, it was a very, very good win yesterday. And what you touched on is exactly right. He is a horse that uh, tries very well. You know, he's racing in the deep end these days, and um, if you only think back a few starts ago, he was going around over 2,000 metres in the Australian Cup, and then backed up a week later in the All-Star Mile, and in both races he ran, ran quite well, ran very well in the All-Star Mile, and then back up to Sydney for the Doncaster, where, you know, he was finishing over the top of them, but um, too little, too late sort of thing, but the and then back to 1,400 yesterday in the, in the All-Age. It was a very, very good training performance by James and the team, but uh, we're, we're delighted to have won the Group 1. 
And there was no sort of savage track bias yesterday, but he, he did defy the track pattern a, a bit to win, didn't he, unleashing that sort of fow- uh, powerful finishing burst? Yeah, good morning, Ben. Um, yeah, no, he definitely did. I think it was quite leaderish, certainly early on. It was tough for, for some of those very short price favourites, you know, um, Fireburn and, and Chris Wallace couple of horses so uh it, it made it um, made it difficult there but uh, but yeah he did divide, de- defy that sort of pattern but i think by then they were sort of all trying to get to the rail and all and you know the, and, the, and the speed was on so the last one around the turn was a rotten egg type scenario so um so yeah no he did he did finish off very powerfully i don't know about shape or size uh physically wise but he's sort of developing like a, having a Hartnell profile. He's there all the time. Doesn't win all the time. You can't win all the time in these races, but if he doesn't win, he's not far away. No, he's definitely that. And he does put in. He's he's a horse that when he first came over, he was quite sort of light. He's a bit of a, bit of a hat rack type. Um, he was always dull in the coat. And the last couple of seasons, uh, well, campaigns, he's sort of really blossomed in the coat. He's thickened out a bit. He's, you know, he's really done done very very well. Um, so yeah, and yeah, you know, when you are racing in against this quality of horse, it's it's not easy to win every time. As much as I love the win of uh, this horse, Vin, I reckon one of the real talking points of the day was Kementari's win. Wow, we. Um... If I guess if you back Kementari, you've absolutely loved Nashville Willer's ride. There was some mixed opinions <laughs> on it. Obviously, he he um, you know, ran right through the fence there almost and uh, and got up on the inside. Um, what did you sort of make of it all, mate? Um, well, just leaving the ride aside for a second, um, the horse Kementari he he just galvanises our whole operation. He's a when he wins. It really puts a pep in everyone's step. Uh, he's just such a character. He's been right through every part of the organisation, and and for him to continue racing as he is, and you know, it's well documented that he retired to start and was a complete failure. Uh, in as far as only got two foals, um, but to come back and racing on as an older horse and uh, and, and and racing at a pretty competitive level is, is is wonderful. The ride, well, I'm probably a little bit biased. I think you know, Nash <laughs> um, had to. You know he's out there to win, and and he endeavoured. You know his best endeavours was to win the race. And um, yes, he could be criticised for uh, for going for a gap that potentially wasn't there. But I'm not certain that um, I think it was Joshy Parr on the horse on the outside that didn't didn't sort of lay in to to ensure that he didn't come through. So you know it was competitive riding on both parts. Um, you know, I think he's, he, he's, his number one priority is to get up and to get get there and win. Um, some say he was a little reckless, but, um, you know, all's well at ends well, as they say. What did you sort of think live? I mean, not, not so much necessarily about the ride and sort of how it ended up, but, but when he, he sort of went for that run, did you think, wow, we, this is sort of going nowhere and, and we're going to get chopped out and run sort of second or third here? Or what were your yeah. emotions I, watching I, it live? Yeah, watching it live, I mean, you only get the side-on shot at that stage, um, but you know, you, you, James did discuss with Nash to rail up as much as he could, as much as you know, as, as humanly possible, and that's what that's what he where he went. And James, said, I didn't, I wasn't aware of this until I read the press this morning. That James had actually said to him, um, you know, don't worry if you get if we can't get through the gap. Um, but you know, there was some there was a gap, and, he, and, and through he went. But watching it live, I think, oh, this is this is tight. <laughs> um, but he was also, you know, he was flying. You could see he was just absolutely going to hit the line strongly, and, and all he needed was a bit of a gap. That was his first run since he, he ran at the Magic Millions, uh, and of course he won the buffering here during our summer. So is it logical that we'll see him here in Brisbane? Uh, it's a very good chance, David, that we'll, we'll take him up there. But whether we go for the pointy end or not we haven't quite decided um we've got a few heading up there so uh, he's going to be joined part of a, a fairly strong team mm. i and, hope and cascadia the Duman cup they'll probably put cascadia in away okay uh we've got a, a bunch of three-year-olds heading up that way we'll have ingratiating running um to, uh, next week in the mick dipman uh with we'll character in the queensland guineas we'll bring paul ailey up probably home him at the ten thousand. uh Zephus, there's another three-year-old we'll, we'll take up as well and um, if we can find the right sort of two-year-olds, or two-year-olds, we'll, we'll take them as well. Just one to mention, because she's fresh in our mind, a winner yesterday, Mamunia? Mamunia is going to go towards South Australia. Right. 
Um, and then once she's done, she'll uh, once she's done that, she'll we'll probably put her away. Chance that she'll head to 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 Queensland. Um, Allegron, who's going to run Saturday, uh, sorry, on Anzac Day, Monday week, um, in the St Ledger at Flemington, will go across to the South Australian Derby, and then all being well, we might take him up to the Queensland Derby as well. And similarly, trekking, we're going to he's going to go to the Irwin. Uh, this week, whether I think it's on Saturday um, in Adelaide, and then possibly the Goodwood, and then possibly into the into the Stradbroke. Fair enough. And uh, I see there was one that won at Kemble yesterday, stalking. Yeah, um, nice horse, uh, but progressive. So uh, yeah, just sort of get 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 her through her grades and, and go from there. Fair enough. Well, you've told us plenty there. Congratulations on yesterday, mate. Well done. No worries, lads. Good to chat. Finn Cox joining us this morning. With the Cascadian, who won't be going to the Durban Cup then? Uh, no, that was interesting, but uh, great information from Vin, isn't it? Just uh, in terms of the Sydney Carnival, I mean, we can virtually put a full stop on it now. We're talking, you know, South Australia. As punters, we look forward to the, the next big thing, I suppose, the South Australian and the Queensland Carnival. So we mentioned sort of seven or eight horses there that were uh, coming up to Queensland. Paul Ali's an interesting one, uh, for instance. So I didn't didn't realise that horse was making its way up here. So uh, I'm sure they'll um, have a, a decent team, as they always do. It was, uh, I think... Darren alluded to it in the broadcast. The the party was spoiled. Tefane, her last career start yesterday. She had a tough run on speed. She was off the track and to all intents and purposes, she was going to win in the straight, but Cascadia was right on song. But she ran out of her skin and completes a wonderful career. Yeah, and it's amazing when you think she was um, heading to the breeding barn, I think, mm. uh, basically during the Winter Carnival, at the end of the Winter Carnival last year, and there was a few times she, <clears throat> she may have been retired, just kept on, on pushing on and, and knocking up winning Group 1. She was um, she was a marvellous man. We probably, um, even though she won a couple of Group 1s up here, we probably underrated her a slightly. Um, she was marvellous. Wouldn't you love to own her? Exactly right. Let's go to the other Group 1. The uh, Champagne Stakes and Fireburn was looking to go for the Triple Crown and she was an odds-on favourite, $1.55 to be precise, to do it. As they come up with the home turn, and She's Extreme tries to kick. Abdullah lit the match on Fireburn, giving chase. She's Extreme three lengths clear from Fireburn, who's whittling down the margin. She's Extreme two lengths clear from Fireburn. Abdullah really has to get busy now. She's Extreme inside the 200, a length and a half clear from Fireburn. She's trying. She's Extreme still in front. Fireburn lifting late. She's Extreme clinging on from Fireburn, and She's Extreme flips the result this time. She's Extreme wins the Group 1. Champagne stakes by a half-length to Fireburn. A big gap back to Williamsburg. Then let's roll the dice. Wealthy investor and count the headlights flicked off last. Well, the market suggested the tables probably wouldn't be turned. She was $1.55 Fireburn and she's Extreme $5 but the tables were turned and a man who had the utmost faith in his horse that she could turn the tables is the trainer of She's Extreme, Anthony Cummings. He's our next guest this morning. Anthony, good morning. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And as I said, you always did have faith that, that there could be a, a reversal of the result. One thing about this this filly, just looking at her record this morning, uh, I'm always interested in horses' physique and constitution. She's been going around since late February on these testing tracks, and she's always put in. She must have a strong constitution. Yeah, you've got a really good constitution. She enjoys it. Plainly handles wet. Uh, I think the small field size yesterday was testament to how tough it's been for the babies to get through the uh, heavy tracks in recent times uh, and speaks very well of both She's Extreme and Fireburn that you know, have had a, you know, uh, been around for a fair while and, and still they're at the top end at, at the end of the carnival. Anthony, was there a bit of something extra in this race yesterday, given we all remember Brenton of Duller on, on Fireburn as he, as he went past you in the size <laughs> produce, giving Tommy Berry a bit of a tickle up? Was, was it a bit of an extra satisfying win for you yesterday? It, it was a bit. A fellow sent me a text said uh, he has the last, 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 last best. So <laughs> the uh, quiet chuckle did, did, uh, did turn up. I said that, the, that there was a gap in the market, $1.55 and $5, but really what unfolded, was certainly not unexpected, um, you know, the, the fact that Tommy could control and he was able to control very, very well. So watching the race, you must have been pretty bullish in the run yourself. Oh, I was very happy. Like, there was a few things happened last time that I don't think anyone gave proper weight to. Uh, the, the fact that Fireburn was able to sort of sneak up, cut the corner uh, when most of the, uh, the horses had been travelling wide off the, off the inside rail. 
he got a, a couple of uh, cheap links offers at that point. Uh, and when he made his run, was well away from Shizik Sam. I don't think she saw it coming at all. Um, and and, and at a, when she did turn up um, sort of next to her, she was in full flight. Uh, and she's extreme was sort of throttling down, having put two links on the uh, uh, the, uh, the other horse as they straightened. So um, she didn't have the she's extreme didn't have the racecraft to pick up and go uh, and respond as quickly as she might. Uh, having had the experience, she was much better yesterday. Uh, but in each of those times that she's faced up against Fiber and lack of racecraft is really what's beaten her. We know from the time you know she had to come from last where they came both came from the you know, last second last. At Randwick, you know, early days in one of those qualifying races, we ran second. And, you know, we got sort of tangled up and, and just she didn't know quite how to chase. The other day, she went past us too quickly uh, and didn't have time to regather and get it right. But uh, her work on Tuesday was uh, was very, very good and said that all of those experiences had sort of come together and, uh, and given us a complete horse. Uh, that's what we got yesterday, and the result came from that. What do you think? Sort of think the future is is like for Anthony. I mean, is sixteen hundred metres as far as she wants, or or can yeah. she be extended over further? Or, or what? what um, I mean, obviously oh, she has she a nice, nice spell now. Yeah, yeah she'll have a spell, sure, um, but she'll run two thousand easily. Uh, I think she'll go further, okay. uh, and then it's really just a matter of how they return from the break. So uh, at this point, you know, we looked at uh, the intention is to give it uh, that break, have a back racing or, or on schedule sometime in September. Uh, and then just see what that gives us. I mean, she needs a, a decent break to recover, uh, you know, sensibly. Uh, and then you've got to see. So, you know, with uh, Prince Farwa, I'd say, and with Casino Prince, you know, we, they had very good two-year-old careers, but uh, in, the, in the autumn, but they didn't get to uh, come back and have much of a spring at all. So, you know, you've got to, uh, having seen both of those two, you get to know what the signs are. Uh, if she comes back and... She's got to turn a foot and she looks like she's the, the filly that went to the paddock. That's one thing. But if she comes back and she's a little bit down and looking like she wants a mile and a quarter, well, chances are she'll have a break and come back and, uh, and be ready for the autumn. These have been unprecedented times, haven't they? This length of, of, of wet weather and there's these length of heavy tracks. Uh, it's certainly been a carnival with a difference this time, hasn't it, really? Sure has. Uh, and they're really going to compliment the guys here at Randwick. Uh, for the amount of rain here, it's just been extraordinary. I mean, you know, we're measuring it in metres rather than inches and millimetres or whatever. Uh, so, uh, and, and uh, that's been all up and down the eastern seaboard. I mean, I think guys in Queensland have seen you know, much the same. But at Randwick, it's just been, you know, uh, never-ending, it seems. Uh, and uh, for them to be able to put the races on, I mean, this is, I think, the only year in about the 50 years I've been here that they would have been able to race on all of the days as they did. And final one from me, Anthony, just the, the, the extra thrill, I suppose, of training a Group 1 winner on the same day as uh, as your son. It's a, it's I know you've done it once before, I think, in 2019 on Stradbroke Handicap Day when you won the JJ and James yep. won the Stradbroke with trekking. But that's a pretty rare achievement, isn't it? It must, must be lovely. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, good for the family. Uh, we've got to get um, uh, Edward's timing right so that he can, he can turn up on the same day uh, <laughs> the next carnival and uh, get the trifecta up. Thanks for joining us this morning. Just before you do go, one last one. Uh, anything for, for Brisbane during the carnival? Oh, I've got a, a couple of babies sort of coming up, just sort of looking at the at the list uh, to see who might be there. If you have to step up, but got some other two-year-olds, and, um, you know, I've got a good opinion of, and uh, it'd be nice to turn up and have another look at the JJ. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on yesterday. Thank you. Anthony Cummings joining us this morning and, of course, uh, a deserved win as well. He had a shocking uh, incident with Libertine. He died uh, with a, of a heart attack, his wonderful mare. So uh, She's Extreme has done very well. And it was an exciting finish, wasn't it? Because, you know, you, you were watching She's Extreme. I think everyone thought she was probably going to hold on, but Firebird just started to edge closer. And it was a, it was a good race to what appeared on paper might not be that spectacular. Yeah, and uh, I must say, like 100 metres out, it looked like She's Extreme was going to win fairly easily, but, mm. but Fireburn really did knuckle down and uh, got close. I thought Williamsburg, admittedly beaten five and a half lengths, w- w- was decent. Well, I think we've got Gerald Grine on later, talking to him about his Brisbane winners, so we'll ask him about that cult as well. Let's go to the, the Hallmark Stakes, and Big Parade was the favourite.
They turn and it's big parade. Two in front now to Trumbull with 350 metres to run. Count to Rupees running into it well. Then for two, St. Kemantari's hugging the fence and pinching ground. Big parade in front. Count to Rupee has come off to throw in a challenge. It's big parade and neck in front to Count to Rupee. And Kemantari is scraping paint. If he gets through, he might go close. Count to Rupee hits the lead. Count to Rupee from Kemantari. Kemantari's flying. Got up. Oh, big win, Special K. Kemantari got there to beat Count to Rupee. Big parade third, then gem song for Toos. Further back, Sonore Fox and Trumbola. Yeah, well, the, the, the ride has been well documented. Uh, I've had a look at that, that head on. It's quite uh, <laughs> quite a narrow gap. And, of course, he cannons into that, that plastic running rail. So, thank God they're plastic and not wood. But the job was done and he beat Count to Rupee a better run. I thought Big Parade probably needed to win yesterday to be really... A live doom and ten thousand chance. Maybe he needed the run, but he was set out at a dollar fifty, so he was a dollar seventy in the morning. So he was he was obviously well fancied, but he seemed to have every chance. Yeah, it was a dramatic race, wasn't it? One of the most dramatic races um, of the carnival, and to some extent, I mean, Nashville Willer has been the man of the carnival, if not the man of the carnival in terms of you know. Uh, number of wins or Group One wins, certainly in terms of the memorable moments like that ride on Think It Over. Uh, wow, we if that wasn't mm. one of the best rides in history, I'm not here. And this was a different kind of ride, a daring ride. I think Caitlin Mallion um, on the Channel Seven commentary called it stupidity. I wouldn't go that far, um, but it was certainly interesting. I, I've, I've got to say, like it just depends, I suppose. I mean, I, look. I can understand stewards suspending him and saying, look, this was careless. I get all that. But having said that, I mean, would you not prefer a jockey that does his utmost to win a race and pushes through a narrow gap? Uh, you know, Kemantari started $6.50. There was a lot of people on Kemantari. Would you would you not prefer that than the jockey that just goes, oh, this is too hard, I'll just run, a, run third here? I agree. And I think two other pertinent points to make. One... Ruwilla is a damn good jockey, we know that. So if he's going there, if he's going there, Ruwilla, um, he knows what he's doing. But the other thing is too, these aren't decisions that are, are contemplated for minutes. These are split-second decisions. He thought there was a run, he took it. So uh, it, uh, we're just watching it on, on TV now here on replay. Uh, he took the decision, no, I've got I've got no drama. Yeah, it doesn't look pretty, look, look, looks a bit ugly, but I'll stand by Ruwilla. Yeah, I will too. Um, having said that, there is a fine line, isn't there? Like, of course. Um, oh, yeah, as I said, I can understand stewards giving him a whack. I mean, look, they didn't. I mean, it's not as if they threw the book at him. Um, but, you know, the suspension he got for this on top of the think it over, you know, whipping suspension, he'll be out for, for a little while. But, um, yeah, certainly one of the moments of the carnival. And we're just watching a replay now. I'm sure that race will be replayed a lot in the coming weeks and months. There's a fine line between being a genius and a madman. Yes. Where are you going with this? No, I'm you're just, the genius, I'm just, and I'm the madman. I'm just no, no. I'm just putting to, to you. There's a fight. You're, the, you're probably a genius. Some would say you're a madman. <laughs> Let's keep pushing on. The uh, JRA plate was race seven. Let's have a listen to it. End of the straight. Polly Gray in front. Niberian's had a great run giving chase now. Ice Bath goes to third. If you're on Moroni, put the ticket in the bin. Polly Gray two lengths clear from Niberian. Ice Bath. She's not getting there. Polly's off and gone. Polly's full of running here in the JRA plate. Uh, Numerian's holding second. Ice Bath's holding third. Brutality Papalino for fourth. Polly Gray's going to win in a canter. Hands and heels won it by six lengths. Numerian. Ice Bath third. Papalino at odds fourth in front of Brutality. Then Purple Sector Cryptogram. Moroni's finished last. She's a very professional mare, but she's not getting any younger. She's rising eight, in fact. That was her 11th win yesterday, and she's very effective on heavy tracks. Yeah, absolutely. What about... Oh, sometimes, and I do this with you too, David Fowler, sometimes when I listen to a race call... I try and work out what the call is packed. I reckon Darren Flindellin was on Moroni, which which ran twenty lengths last. Put the ticket in the bin and Moroni a long last. Just the just the extra emphasis in his voice suggested to me he might have been on that. I'm not sure if he was. I don't think Ice will Icebath ever win a race. She's so oh. honest at the top level, but just can't find the winning line first. Some other feature races worth listening to from yesterday at Royal Ramwick. Let's go to the uh, the JB Car and uh, Espiona had had a little freshen up for this race and she was a dominant favourite at $2.25.
Capistel leads from Zaladi Luck turning for home. Dalcini moves up three wide. Espiona gets onto her back. Then came Banana Queen. Comrade Rose is all bottled up on the inside. Further back to Dynasty's party for one down the outside as Espiona moved up now. And the favourite takes the lead with Dynasty's giving chase a length off to party for one. But Espiona starting to open up the shoulders now. And she's drawn right away. Dynasty's party for one fight out the miners. But Espiona very strong. A sit and steer for James McDonald. Stand and cheer if you're on. Espiona panel them from party for one and dynasties. A good gap back to Festival Dancer, Comrade Rosa, no luck the inside. Further back to Banana Queen, Dalcini, Capistella and the Lady Luck. Bring she arrived in the autumn with uh, a big, big boom on her and she's been beaten three times. A little fresh and up a month off from the, the racetrack and she, she bounced back to the winning form yesterday. So, uh, she probably lost a bit of cast with some of her, her fans because they expected more of her, but yesterday's win was, was quite dominant. Yeah, it was interesting. The, um, they were prepared to take her on a bit yesterday too. She was $1.95 out to two twenty five um, late in betting. But I, I think I was interested by Chris Waller's post-race comments. He just felt that even though it was a heavy eight yesterday, um, you know, it was probably on, well, I wouldn't, wouldn't say the better side of a heavy eight, but it certainly wasn't the, the heavy ten that she faced in the surround, for instance. And whilst you can perhaps get through the heavy tracks, um, you know, he felt that it was just taking a bit out of her. So, look, it'll be, you know, just interesting to see how she performs in the spring. I don't think she's... <clears throat> I mean, even though she was so dominant yesterday, I don't think she's, you know... She's not the next sort of far lap that everyone was sort of touting her as or the next week's no. or black caviar, is she? But but she's a she's a quality girl and I'm sure Chris Well will have some fun with her in the spring. One final replay from yesterday, the group three Frank Packer plate. It's Morris and be dad. Two lengths clear from Jalmari. Running on well is Verona behind them. Then straight Aaron coming into it. Morris is me dad. Verona's come through with a very strong run. And Verona charges to the lead of the 150. The favourite's in a lot of trouble to get there straight Aaron. He's running on well but running out of time. And Verona's drawn clear. And Verona win the Frank Packer plate. Morris is me dad. Clung on to second in front of straight Aaron. And a gap back to Paternal. Then came Anna Kerr from Raging Bull. Bon vivant late. Jalmari. Yes, she's only had the seven starts. That was her second win from New Zealand. Now with Mara and Eustace, Willie Pike had the ride. I'm pretty certain we're seeing her for the Queensland Oaks. She was good odds yesterday, $21. She won't be that price next time. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And a terrific ride uh, by Willie Pike, who we will also see up here um, in the near future riding in Queensland. Straight Aaron, I thought, was fairly disappointing. Um, For a horse that won, like, you know, been shot out of a cannon the previous start, um... It was okay. It got beaten less than two two lengths, but I must say I, I probably expected a bit more there. Let's turn our attention now to Caulfield, traditional uh, Easter weekend racing. The Victoria Handicap and the Easter Cup are the features. And let's go to the Victoria Handicap. A lot of interest here from a Queensland point of view because Ed made his race track, track return in the Victoria Handicap and he was heavily back $2.80. Coming up to the corner, 450 out at Streets of Avalon, Imperial Lad by a length and a half, Bermudez. Ayrton is travelling okay, needs a run. Superium behind him, pole into the middle, then I am Superman. Kiss on all four cheeks is winding up wider, and they were followed by Exolita. Streets of Avalon at the 200 metres lead. Ayrton's got a run, pole, and Exolita down the outside with Kiss on all four cheeks. Ayrton with 100 metres to go, goes to the front from Exolita, but Ayrton, the class, and Ayrton won the victory. Victoria Handicap from a photo, Exolita Streets of Avalon for fourth, Kiss on all four cheeks and Skyman prominent, followed by Superium. Then came Poland, Dr. Drill, High Stranger, Foxy Frieda, I Am Superman, Bermudez, Imperial Lad, Karma Lass, Arameo, and well back was Inverloch amongst the tailenders. He had a good run in transit. He was ridden with purpose early to take a position, had the good run, the run presented at the right time, and he finished off well to score. As I said, a lot of interest from a Queensland point of view. Let's talk more about Edton and Mick Price joins us. Mick, good morning. David and Ben, how are you, lads? Good, very good. Uh, I see a quote from you yesterday. Uh, you were happy to be wrong. Now, I didn't hear you during the week, so you've got to sort of fill in a bit of background for me. Why were you cautious about Edton yesterday? He'd had a long time out, and we had to fit a program into him so I didn't have time sometimes I allow three weeks for trialing you know we may have a trial and miss one and then have another trial and then your horse gets a lovely rhythm into a first up run 
but we had to put a 1200 meter trial in and made it longer which is probably the beauty of those Cranbourne trials they have a variety of distances for you but he had one nice trial and I thought well I have to fit him into a run with his rating to get him into the races that I want in Queensland so I just thought Tuesday morning he ran over a thousand meters and he had a he, by the time he came back to us uh, he had a good extended blue and I thought well he's probably going to peak on his run but I have to run him anyway but it was just um, a good barrier a perfect ride the right things happened at the right time and you know his the horse's ability carried him through so as a gelding you know he doesn't carry too much weight and uh, it was very good, very relieved to see see how well he went anyway. Mick, um, given I think um, it's pretty widely known that you and your training partner are, are as honest as the day is long and, and you, you know, you're both, particularly your training partner, um, said that he you know, didn't think he could win first up. Were you surprised that he was so strongly backed? I think he was $3.50 into $2.80. Uh, well, I suppose those that... You know, the big syndicates that do the big punting and bet through algorithms and the proper percentages, that's how they measured his class, drawn the gate with the rider, and that's their measurement. So I suppose they just assume that he's fit enough, if everything goes well, that he's going to win. But um, I was I was surprised he won. I thought he might just peak, but... Um, you know, when things happen, everything unfolds properly and the horse is good enough and the ride is good enough, um, bang, you get the result and that's what happened. So the process forward seems, well, pretty straightforward, pretty well documented. Hollandale, Doombin Cup and then potentially the Q22. No change there? Uh, the only change will be is if I'm sort of uh, going through that preparation and you have a look at your horse and you're not happy with something or, you know... you. The distance is a little bit uncharted, but I uh, always thought that his true distance is going to be between a mile and 2,000 metres anyway. So um, that's why, you know, when we come up here, come up there last year for the Stradbroke, uh, we had to sort of uh, back off that plan because I didn't think he would have been, I didn't think he was going to be quick enough. Mm. And, um, you know, so it was probably good that we could divert to the Queensland race, the mile, the mile, I think it's Queensland Guineas maybe, I forget what it was. Um, anyway, um, that I, I reckon they're going to be good distances for him, you know, so we'll try that. So probably I'll have to accommodate him at the Gold Coast. Uh, very hard to get boxes at Eagle Farm, albeit that we're bringing horses up there. Um, I don't really like going to... Um, the Gold Coast with my horses, but uh, it's probably going to be some benefit if you can, you know, get that horse to have a little practice, a few goes around uh, on the course proper and that. So uh, I think that will be the plan, but um, he'll be on the way. I don't like dealing in hypotheticals, but I'll put this hypothetical to you. Just say he went to the Hollandale and he ran and, um, you know, you felt after the race, say he didn't win, you felt, well, he, you know, that was his that may have been his out limit, 1,800 metres. Could you potentially flick the switch and go to a Stradbroke? How long between the Hollandale and the Stradbroke? Uh, Hollandale's the 7th of May, about five weeks. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he wouldn't be without a chance in the Stradbroke. I suppose we'll have to have a nomination there, but... Um, Fast run race. I reckon that... Yeah, yeah, I know, but the sectionals they run they you know good 1200 meter horses really bang off those sectionals in that 1400 meter handicap and um he just doesn't give me that feel i reckon, mm. I reckon he's a couple of lengths short and when you know what when desley's horse beat him what's the name of that horse apache, apache chase, chase. Apache he's, chase. A, he's a really he's a really good eagle farm horse he beat us fair and square he beat us for a turn of foot mm. and then he got beat in the straight broke you know so it doesn't give me a great feel, and I think as he's got older, certainly I want to persevere with um, the plan, Doomin Cup and Q22. Sure. Are you going to try and bring Jamie Carr up here to ride this horse? She's got a lovely association with him. Yeah, don't know. it's up to her. She's got lots of different offers, and you know she's in a position where she can please herself. And uh, look, certainly, I guess the ride will be offered to her. Um, 
And if not, I don't know. Let's discuss Green Belt, uh, who ran in the Daybreak Lover up here yesterday. We were advised of, a, of a, a potential tactic change. It was a bit sort of hard to understand that it was going to be ridden off the pace. And so he probably presented Larry Cassidy with a, a bit of a task. But I thought in the end he did pretty well. Three wide with cover. I was calling the race, Mick, and he went up to them. I thought, this is ambling up to them. On the day, flying crazy went by you. But were you happy with that run? I would expect you would be. Very much, and he's gross Colton. We never thought him uh, as a 1,400-metre horse, and you notice the first start, a mile, mm. second start, a mile. They're going to be his best journeys, but he was in last Saturday in a bog 10 at um, Randwick. I didn't want to run him there first up, so uh, hence the Eagle Farm race and bad gate. So I thought, he went, I thought he went well, and I still think he will be very hard to beat in the Queensland Guineas. Because he'll improve and a mile will be better for him. And uh, whilst I was beaten by Gerald, I did get a text from him and said, uh, you'll beat me over a mile. <laughs> so I'm assuming his horse is going to the going to Queensland Guineas. But he, he's, he's a nice colt, Greenbelt. Um, I would have thought originally he would have been a Queensland derby horse. But, um, I don't know, we did that genetic testing and... Um, too much science. I don't know. It's got me a little bit bamboozled, that one. Um, I don't know which way to go. And um, just before we let you go, Mick, is there any other... Um, oh, I'm sure you bring quite a few nice horses up there, but is there any ones of particular note that um, our listeners can, can keep track of over the coming sort of six or eight weeks in Queensland? Oh, yeah, I reckon our paper will come in. One yesterday in Sydney, I reckon he'll come up. I think there's a race at Gosford called The Coast. Mm. A three- and four-year-old quality handicap mile in three weeks from yesterday. That is 500,000. So we'll probably have to have a crack at that, and then um, he'll, he'll come up there. He's nice and fit, and um, I reckon that horse that ran second in the Queen of the Turf, Anna Visto, uh, she, that race for her, the Touch Tiara Fresh, is June 25. Uh, so she's having a break at the moment. That will be her race, and she'll appear fresh for that. Uh, she's a pretty good mare. Um, not sure what else, but I'll probably find something. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> you, you have a think about it, and we'll let you go. Thanks for your time, and we look forward to seeing you up here in a few weeks. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye. Good on you, Mick. Mick Price joining us this morning, talking about Ayrton. And the, the Dooman Cup, <laughs> is Zaki coming or not? Well, you know what? Annabelle Neesham's gone to ground a bit in the last few weeks. Um, I know various organisations that have put in calls to her and haven't really got much back, even in terms of the stabling issue on the Gold Coast. She's going to have a satellite stable, so maybe she's just uh, having a bit of a quiet time or have it, not having a break, but just keeping her head down. So, um, like yeah. when, when you have a discussion about the Doom and Cup, it's on uh, May May 21. He's $2.30. Yeah. Well... If he's in or he's it well, it changes the market a lot. To me, it doesn't sound like he's going overseas. I mean, she would like to take him mm. um, to a homeland, obviously, but just reading between the lines, I, I don't think he is. So if he's in good nick, I guess it's logical he probably would. Having said that, I remember having a discussion with her at Magic Millions um, and I asked her that question way back way back then. That was in January. And she said, oh, look, you know, all, all roads lead towards the spring carnival. So, you know, you, you sort of... You can't, you know, race in three carnivals, three big carnivals. So, look, oh, I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, and I was getting the same impression, just the intel I was getting that, um, you know, it was autumn and then spring. So it remains to be seen. But it's certainly a something worth following. I'll put Stephen Hewlett on that. He can work on it this week. <laughs> Let's go to the other feature from yesterday. Before we take a break here on Past the Post, we'll go to the Easter Cup. They've got to Holbein approaching the turn at the 450. They queue up. It's Milford with Spirit Ridge. Pondus four deep. King of Leogrons five deep as Holbein had a kick around the turn. Behind them Mandela effect. Estefini waited with needs a run from Defibrillate. Holbein at the 200 metres still with a little bit left with Milford. It's on the inside. Holbein and Milford stride for stride. Milford can't quite get past Holbein who grits its teeth. It's just in front of Milford. They're going to hit the line a photo finish Holbein or Milford a photo in the Easter Cup third in the race was Mandela effect from Spirit Ridge and Estefini then Defibrillate Pondus behind them from T Waters and Zaydani they were followed next in the field by Rock Nancho Sacramento King of Leogrons amongst the tail enders they had a 10 struggle up the core field straight but Milford got the judges nod got the nose bob over Holbein and 
continuing Mike Moroni. He's a good run. Every time we see him be on the show, he wins a race somewhere. Uh, he's on often fire. a good one. I wish he wasn't here. I was on Holbein. I thought I was absolutely home. And a beautiful odds. I got the overs, everything. Uh, can we move on? Had to be a losing story, didn't there? <laughs> there had to be move? one get into can the show. Can we move on? And the winner was uh, well backed 8.50 in from 11. Let's take a break here on Past the Post. Back to Review Eagle Farm next. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. The yielding sales have been done and dusted, but Archer Park has been... Uh, uh, presence felt at all of the sales and all of the horses they've bought, all of the yearlings are on the website, archerparkracing.com.au. Have a look. There might be something there for you. Let's go to Eagle Farm yesterday. We raced on a good four, upgraded to a good three after the third race when a horse called Luna Stitt actually broke the track record for 2,400 metres. Only just, but uh, she broke through. But let's go to some of the features. We had two listed events and we're going to have a listen out of the Daybreak Lover. We talked about Green Belt with with Mick Price, but in the end, the Queenslander released the beans, was the best back runner. It and Greenbelt ran co-favourites. Eight lengths span them up to the turn of the Daybreak Lover. 500 left to run. Mashani Sniper now alongside Manazzi in the lead. Dark Destroyer waiting on a run. There's a gap between that leading pair. Release the beans being called upon. Here's Green Belt coming up strongly on the outside and Flying Crazy putting in a strong run. Soon afterwards, the race changing complexion. Manazzi in front, but Flying Crazy and Green Belt went to it. And Flying Crazy might be going a little better than Green Belt by the 100 metres. Flying Crazy in full flight. Green Belt can do no more. And Flying crazy, a clean sweep for Ryan Alexio. Won the daybreak lover, big green belt, photo third. Manazi or Cape Breton. Then came Ashgrave, released the beans, couldn't come on, nor could Dark Destroyer. Then fear the night, you'll be missed. Majestic's request, Rock Lily and Mashani Sniper last over the line. It was basically a last to first win by Flying Crazy. And as we said in the broadcast, they're a clean sweep for Gerald Ryan and Sterling Alexio because they won the first two races as well with Green Shadows. And Reggie Wood, Gerald Ryan's been kind enough to join us this morning. Gerald, good morning. Good morning. Flying crazy. Just having a look at his record, uh, he's now won four races. It seems to me he's a horse who relishes a, a good type track at a fast speed and he can finish hard. That's correct. You know, he's, they go steady. He's a bit inclined to want to over race or that, but appreciates firm footing. Um, even on the soft six or seven when he won at Newcastle, he should have put those horses away easier, but he, he sort of got it done. And I was a little disappointed, even though he won, that he wasn't better. But then when he got on the real firm track at um, uh, Canberra, he's very good in the game yesterday. It's funny, isn't it, Gerald? Like many of the, the sort of Sydney and uh, Victorian trainers are quite wary of the, the Eagle Farm surface being you know, quite hard, but you were actually pretty lavish in your, in your praise yesterday. And I guess that has something to do with getting away from the real bog tracks you've been racing on in Sydney as well. Well, just shows what they're worth, you know, um, when you get horse back on a good track. And that track yesterday, it looked good, which all reports are, uh, always does look good. But um, we went down and watched um, uh, Reggie Woods race from down on the outside of the mountain yard on right against the fence. And, um, you know, that track sounded really good when I went past. And I was talking to Tony going after, and he... He said he walked the track on Friday and he reckoned he'd never been six months or more since the track was in the condition it was in yesterday. He, he said, you know, it's, it's improving all the time, but my three horses, you know, they come on, they ate well overnight and their joints and everything are good as gold and they trotted up sound this morning. So I know it's easy to say when you're at three for three, but I've got no complaints about the track from yesterday anyway. I must admit, Gerald, um, the first person I saw when I wandered into the course yesterday was you, and I sort of <laughs> thought, uh, you've got a Group 1 winner in Sydney, but you're, uh, you're here at Eagle Farm. I thought, uh, you could be in for some sort of day, <laughs> which you were. Did you, were you confident about the hopes of all three of your runners? You must have been to, to make the trip up, I guess. Yeah, the, sort of, the real reason I come up was that, you know, being Easter and we were a bit short-staffed and all that, and we didn't have the staff to send. We had one bloke to send away who could ride him here on... Friday and Saturday morning, and I just come up and give him a hand. So, um, you know, so that was a real reason I come up. But <laughs> in saying that, I what, did come up being very confident with the first two, and uh, hopefully, if the other was done everything right, he's flying crazy. He, he's going to be 
like he was yesterday, very strong late. Yeah, it, it was a very good win. The, the logical target is the Queensland Guineas in two weeks' time. Uh, he's had a, a, a he's been up a little while. If would that be the end of the road, the Queensland Guineas, or could you contemplate going a bit further down the track? Well, this morning and after speaking to like when Brenton Roding and Keegan Roding both down in Sydney, they put question marks about him going further. I had a good talk to Brad Stewart yesterday after about going the 1,600 metres and he put a doubt again saying that he reckons he's better off a, off a fast pace. Mm. Um, we'll just go home. He's going home tonight, so we'll just see whether he comes back for the 1,600 metre race or not or give him a fresh freshen up and be cheeky and have a... Have a uh, go at the Fred Best, and if he ran really good in that over the 1350, uh, go on to the Stradbroke or that 1600 metre race with Gunsy. I think um, Ayrton won it last year and beat Hellsberg, um, uh, aiming at that race to try him at 1600 metres. But um, at the moment, Queensland Guineas in two weeks is you know, a bit doubtful. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. That, that's an interesting point because I think many would have thought that would have been the logical path. Reggie would. Let, let's talk about Reggie Wood because, look, didn't beat a lot, but there was a lot of arrogance about that win. In the end, he, he delivered a really good sectional. And he, he won with authority. He looks as though he's a sort of horse that can play a role in some of the races up here during the next few months. Yeah, he, he's a horse that um, took a while to settle in when he came back from Hong Kong. He had a throat operation and once you start to settle in, and uh, it's a very nervous horse, which it's, it's gone out of his system that now, but it's a very nervous horse at home, and he's not now. Um, his first two runs was very good. Um, we thought he'd handle a wet track. But Jay said he was hopeless on, in it at Canterbury. I know he was off a break of seven weeks, but he was still hopeless in it. And he's a horse we always thought could aim at something, you know, perhaps a tax cup or something mm. up here. He probably has to win another benchmark race or a class six race before you do that. Um, he's also done a couple of heap of work, so he'll be back up here you know, if he can run a full, full journey. Um, uh, he'll be back up here at some stage, but what type of races he might have, uh, if he can get a reasonable track down there, he might have an 1,800 or 2,000 metre benchmark race down there and then come back up for, like I say, a race like Pratt Ipswich Cup or... Cat's Cup or something like that with him there. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be well within his grasp. And that two-year-old, the Green Shadows, uh, won a double figures at Gulb. And obviously this is a horse, uh, a young horse, who's just kept improving for you. Yeah, well, I was surprised at Gulb when he was such big odds. I think he paid $44 or something up here. Because I told the owners he would not miss top three at, at Goulburn. Um his last trial prior to racing was very good. He ran in a brick wall in straight just when he was hitting his straps. And but in saying that, he's a bit green at Goulburn. Um, but he jumped out of the ground since. And there wasn't another race in Sydney for him. And it was going to be a month between runs, you know, 1,400 metres. And then I saw that race. It was only last Sunday. I saw that race there. And then I thought if he worked good on Tuesday, we'd bring him up, which we did. And... Um, come home, eating all we feed, lovely quiet colt. Looks like he'll run a mile. Um, three trials, two races, two wins and a trip away from home. His first preparation, he'll have to do really well if he push on. But I do think, you know, he's going to run a mile. Um, it's a T-roll. He's a 1,600-metre group one for T-rolls on up here in June. You, know, you have one run before him. If he does well, he'll have one run before him and then aim him at it because he'll only get a crack at it at once. And James Orman yesterday gave a good report about him. So, um, yeah, we might keep him going and he'll be back up here in a month's time, sort of thing. Yeah. I could be singing from a different hymn sheet here. I'm not sure. But I reckon Williamsburg has got a very nice future. What did you make of him yesterday? Admittedly well beaten by the, <clears throat> the two big guns in the champagne. But he's just got something about him that it, he looks like he's going to develop into something. He he's a nice horse. We've always had a lot of time for him. Um, two races we aimed him at. He won at Rose Hill and at Ramwick. Um, yesterday was only put on the agenda between his 
two wins. If he'd done well after he won last week, we'd back him up yesterday. He ran well. You know, he must be on tied legs. That horse is his sixth run, and he'll come back a really nice horse. He, he, he'll come back a nice championship stakes horse, or I don't think he'll run a mile and a half, but he'll certainly run 2,000 metres. And Kieran McAvoy, right from when he rode him in his first trial, always said that um, he'd uh, love to see him as a three year old because. He said, whatever he does with two-year-old, he's going to be a better three-year-old. So, you now if the time and where the races that are in the spring, so he can get a good six weeks off now. And I think he's a, a very nice 1,600, 2,000-metre horse in the making there. And what's the plan with Ellsberg? Ellsberg, just talking with Sterling this morning, he'll have one run prior to the Stradbroke. Um, now, where they were... I'm not a huge rapper running him in a, around Durban in a 1200 around Durban, so you probably might go to the BTC Cup into the Stradbroke, or you might wait for the 1300 metre race at Colin Handicap at uh, Eagle Farm a fortnight before the Stradbroke. But he'll definitely be up here for the Stradbroke, have a bit of freshen up and have one run leading into it, yeah. He's yeah. an honest horse, you know. He never knows how to run a bad race, no, no matter what you're running him in. Yeah. He certainly doesn't. Hey, good start yesterday for the stable. Congratulations. We'll look forward to seeing you more often here during the winter. Okay, thanks, David. Gerald Ryan joining us this morning, part of a training partnership with Sterling Alexio, and he can have a spring in his step this morning because it was a damn good day. And, and those horses have got, got, got options over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, you sort of know the uh, Winter Carnival is approaching when you have a look at what won yesterday. Four of the nine races were won by Interstate trainers so the invasion uh, has not quite started yet but it's almost upon us one race that wasn't won by an interstate horse was the other listed race the ascot handicap let's have a listen to the replay uh, shooting for goal was the best back runner and displaced zoo style for favoritism Archer's Paradox and Kylie's hike along in front. Zoo Style third, Estelle Rocker fourth. That quartet get away by three or four to Emerald Kingdom and Grey Worm. Then Lyrical Girl, Jesui Bell, Stampy. Shooting for gold is a minute off them. Then Simply Fly and Written Beauty, Stone Motherless last. Archer's Paradox in front. Zoo Style though raises the challenge on the outside. Goes up strongly, big weight and all. Then Kylie's shooting for gold, making some ground now. Archer's Paradox and Zoo Style, they're both flat out. And here's Jesui Bell flying right down the outside, shooting for gold, went with it, just we bell. Beat home shooting for gold, Zoo style fading for third, fourth either Simply Flyer, Emerald Kingdom, Archer's Paradox gave us sight, then Written Beauty, followed by Grey Worm, Lyrical Girl, Estella Rocker, and Kylie's last over the line. Yes, it translates as I am beautiful, and if you're on her, it certainly was a beautiful result. She was well back too late at longer odds, 15 to 11. Taylor Marshall knows her inside out, winning jockey, and he's our last guest this morning on and past the post. Taylor, good morning. Congratulations. She produced a blinder there yesterday. Yeah, morning, Ben. Morning, David. She did. She did. She sort of... The race was run to suit, um, you know, with the tempo being so hot and we ended up getting a bit further back than anticipated, but, gee, she was electric late. Where did you sort of initially envisage yourself uh, being? I'm assuming closer than you, you were. You probably thought the tempo wouldn't have been quite as as frenetic as it was. Yeah, there was good speed on paper. Um, we sort of were planning on being even in the first four, just just trailing Zoo style. Um, but yeah, being as far back as we did was sort of a blessing in disguise. We actually we began quite clean. It was quite messy early early in the race and um, established a little bit worse in, than midfield. And um, yeah, the sections that they were running was was never going to be sustainable, and we were able to finish you know the strongest of the top. They ran 56.66. It's about a half a second outside of the, the track record. But I clocked her individually. She ran her last 632 and four. They're outstanding figures. The thing that, 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 that always amazes me about this mare, and she's not overly raced. I think it was her 18th start yesterday, Taylor. But we used to think of her as a speed horse, and she could be a little bit vulnerable late. I think some of her best wins or best performances is when she's been allowed to just find her feet smothered away and she's got that, that booming finish. So she's very versatile, but she seems to go best ridden quietly. That's right. She's sort of, as you touched on, she's proven or showing her versatility now that she's sort of furnished into a, more of a mature racehorse. She she is sort of a temperamental type, being a mare and whatnot. And 
Um, you sort of we're realising now that just she, she can sort of miss the kick or she has in the past, and um, just riding her where she's comfortable. And and for her to be be able to run races on speed and also like she did yesterday come from behind, it's just great to have that sort of yeah that, those options sort of up your sleeve, I guess. And um, she's running past some pretty slick horses in two style, shooting for gold. So to run the sections that she did late. Um, you know, it's really promising to see moving forward. And you've got a bit look look forward to coming up, uh, Taylor. I think Startante's next week in the Mick Dipman Plate. Wow, we that's a lovely ride. Yeah, that's right. She trialed she trialed pretty slick um, last Tuesday, and um, yeah, she she's right you know right where she needs to be with a super prep down in Sydney last preparation, and um, yeah, Rob's got a got a firing. Hopefully, she can you know have a really good prep and hopefully knock off that group one that, that's been begging. Just before you go, uh, she's still on fresh legs, Joe Sweet Bell. You think a race like the Lightning at Eagle Farm, a 1,000 metres be an, would be an ideal target. Of course, it's up to, to Mark Curry and the connections. But one thing is, she she loves Eagle Farm. Yeah, that's right. As you said, the light, Lightning does look very suitable. Um, haven't sort of touched on where she'll head to next, but um, all, all sort of pending. Hopefully she pulled up well after the run and... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly leave that in Mark's capable hands. But if she can sustain and, and maintain the form she's in, then, you know, sky's the limit with her. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on yesterday and good luck during the carnival. Thank you very much. There he is, Taylor Marshall, winning rider of Jay Bell. He knows her inside out. And look, all honours with her. Uh, shooting for gold ran on well, but she was with him and so she sprinted quicker and, and held him. Zoo-style missed the start, uncharacteristic. That uh, threw plans sort of upside down and uh, he was just left left uh, wanting a little bit at the finish zoo style in third. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I really like Taylor Marshall as a, as a jockey and also as a person. And uh, I reckon he's got the... He's made of the right stuff. Obviously, his late father, John, was a, was a ripper, so I wish him every success. Now, we're just about to finish up, but we should also pay mention to Sacred Oath winning at the Gold Coast mm. yesterday, the, the horse owned by the late... Um, or part owned by the late Shane Warne went out at very, very short odds on the Gold Coast. But um, Noel Kelly paid his own unique tribute to Warney after the race where he sort of you know, passed the winning post celebrated by making a bowling action with his right arm. So, um, you know, that uh, you know, race on the Gold Coast got a fair bit of attention yesterday for all the right reasons. It was a win well deserved. Brad Stewart held riding honours with two and a half winners. We mentioned that dead heat with Enterprise Prince, but it was to be a sour end of the day. He was actually suspended on Enterprise Prince for causing interference. The stewards report says it caused interference to General Dubai. That'll have to be corrected by tomorrow. It caused interference to Casino Mondial. They've got the wrong horse there. But anyway, he's out. He'll, he'll commence his suspension next week. Let's go to the last race of the day. Very good betting race. This competitive betting race, but Sir Warwick was the best back runner. Straightening for home, 400 left to run. So Warwick went alongside Dusty Tycoon. They go together. A Booty Bay's in third. Then Oakfield Twilight. Tremonto under heavy pressure on the lead, making ground towards the inside. But Sir Warwick breached the clear lead. A Booty Bay and Hugh John's running a good race. On the lead is still running on. And Platinum Euros is flying home. There's no gas in the tank with Sir Warwick. He's in the lead, but he's on the lead. On the lead. Got up and beat Sir Warwick. Platinum Euros third, fourth of Moody Bay, ran a cheeky race. Then Dusty Tycoon, followed by Lasting Kiss Westlink. Then came at the head of the others was Rhythmic Pulse, Brad Tremonto dropped off, Oakfield Twilight, and last over the line, Boingo. Yeah, I like calling it. Boingo, bingo, bongo. What are your best? Boingo ran last, but on the lead one for Richard and Will Friedman. Of course, the horses arrive up here under the care of BJ Smith, Brian Smith, and he was he was cock-a-hoop after uh, on the lead won the last race, and Larry Cassidy, a weaving ride between runners. So that was Eagle Farm. We go to Doomba next Saturday. The Mick Dippin played in the Princess Stakes will be the two feature races, and then the following week, the Carnival officially starts with the, the victory and the Queensland Guineas. Let's go to Oak Bank. Uh, no jumps racing, of course, but the, the sprint feature... The Hills Railway Stakes was the main event.
Spanish heirloom hard up against the inside. The leader, All Banter, is getting out to the middle. Centre field, Rock the Ring, Gaze Green, Larimer Street, Street Life to the outside. It's now All Banter taking over from Spanish heirloom. Gaze Green, Rock the Ring, and Larimer Street. But All Banter kept going. All Banter wins the Hills Railway Stakes from Gaze Green. Larimer Street, Lady Dunmore. First, second, third, fourth, all out wide. Then Noir Daru, Magna Bella, Rock the Ring, Bold Star, Spanish heirloom, Hecker. Express, Street Life, Centrefield, Extra Time and Star Hills. It's disappointing, but it's not unexpected that this track does suffer from bias and it happens at every carnival where uh, about midway or three quarters down they start ahead to the outside. It's clearly a faster lane out there, but the jockeys know how to ride it, or most do, and uh, certainly Jake Tarok did on all banter. And she'll now go to the, the Sangster. It's in their own backyard. She's flying and She's being ridden quietly and is paying dividends. She was able to sit off the speed and then run on. She's going really well, as are her trainers, Richard and Chantel Jolly. They are in white-hot form at the moment. Well, we've covered it all. That's past the post, and it's your last past the post for a while. Yeah, you've sacked me again. You're the best you are. You've, yeah, I just... <coughs> you, you know, in and out when it suits me. Just the, the listeners wonder about, uh, you know, our sort of business working relationship together. I can tell you, for anyone who wants to know, David is, is right behind me in life, about 600 metres behind me. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm going uh, I'm going to head off and uh, ask the uh, father-in-law for a loan. That'll be the rest of my life. Yeah, day. exactly. See if you can cough up something. And, of course, we'll be reading all of your copy right through the, the winter with the, the big carnival and, uh, of course... You'll be with me on Press Room in a couple of weeks' time. We've got a few Mondays off. We've got a spell there too. Sp- yeah, exactly. Spelling paddock everywhere. Good on you, mate. See you, mate. Bye. There's Ben Dorries joining us this morning. Thanks for your company on Past the Post. Uh, a great day of racing yesterday right around Australia. No Press Room tomorrow. It's Easter Monday, but no rest for the week. And I'll be with you tomorrow morning with Steve and with all of the major previews. Have a good day. Enjoy your Easter Sunday.